What is real? What is not real? And what is only acceptably real? This is the Acceptably Real Podcast with Joe and Jerry on Anchor FM. Hello, Joe. Hey, Jerry. Hey, how you doing, man? Pretty good. Well, how are you? I'm I'm doing okay. Um, it's snowing like crazy here again, and uh, I'm just pacing around in my my little office room upstairs and wondering wondering about those weird Bigfoot recordings that that I sent you earlier. Oh, man, that made me think a lot. It made me think, it made me want to be the devil's advocate a little bit. It made me, like, it made me think, okay, you know, I, I like the idea of there being a Bigfoot, a Sasquatch out there in the world. But, but those recordings sounded very, you know, chimp-like, very, very animal-esque, you know. They Less. did. What do you, so what do you think about that? Well, I mean, okay. Um, For the listeners, I'm going to splice the sounds that we were talking about in here. They sound like he talks to others and they talk to each other. Yeah. Ooh, I am wild. Okay, now, what what got me was it's convinced this, um, I forgot what it was, he was some sort of linguist who used to be in the military, that he's not saying it's Bigfoot, he's, uh, he's convinced it is some sort of Okay, for some reason, the our audio dropped off at this point. We're still kind of learning this new software. Um, but, okay. So, the linguist is a U.S. Navy linguist, R. Scott Nelson. Over 30 years of experience studying foreign languages, he is convinced that what you're hearing is actual speech. And after studying the recording for years, he's convinced that what we're hearing is an actual intelligent conversation in an as-of-yet-undocumented language. Okay, I'm going to go back to the podcast now. And to me, when I was listening to it, I kept going back and forth like, ah, this sounds, uh, this doesn't sound quite real or, well, okay, it sounds kind of real, but it could be something else, but, or it could be someone is messing with these guys. But I swear to God, I was getting chills when I was listening to it. And you know, I'm not a, I'm not a big Bigfoot believer, um, but it's compelling to listen to and consider. I'll, I'll put it that way. Well, 
you know, it's very interesting that the idea that this guy, this linguist, you know, definitely thought it was a conversation piece. It's, def- it's definitely freaky thinking about, you know, myself or whoever being in the woods in a tent, you know, <laughs> and hearing these noises outside the tent. Can you imagine being in that position? Yeah. I've, I've been in that position. Please, but, please but elaborate. Well, obviously not with those noises, but I mean, uh, I spent a lot of times in the woods when I was um, a teenager. Um, it, but with my adventure, his father, of course, and uh, he pulled me out of school for weeks at a time and we'd go up deer hunting. And even though I wasn't participating in the deer hunting per se, I would just go out, wander around the woods with a gun and just sit and be really quiet and just, you know, just be one with nature kind of. And I remember there was one time where <laughs> there was this, I was just sit. I was living, I was sitting on a, on a stump and I was probably 10 miles from anywhere because I'd go on these really long walks away from the boat up into the mountains. And I heard this woman screaming the top of her lungs, just blood curdling. She's being murdered screaming. And I'm like, oh my fucking God. And so I've got this, this rifle and I'm trying to find where she is. And I, I, I couldn't find her. And so finally it stopped and I was freaked out and I, and I made my way back to the boat and I told my father about, it. and he goes, oh, that was a mountain lion. That, that's their mating call. And it sounds like a woman screaming. <laughs> it's, you know, being out in nature. You hear really strange stuff, but nothing like what's in this recording, not in North America, at least, you know, there's, there's no apes out there that we know of. Well, that's insane. That's terrifying. I mean, if you don't think, you know, and you're in the woods and you're just a kid, I imagine, I don't know how old you were, but, um, I was like pretty scary. 16 or 17, probably 17. You're still a kid at that point. So, oh, yeah, but I mean, I had a gun. <laughs> you know um, how brave a gun makes you feel. I was <laughs> gonna go rescue this woman, <laughs> I was gonna be her knight in shining armor, and lo and behold, it was going to be some mountain lion gonna tear me open to eat my entrails. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> well, thankfully, did not eat you. Thankfully, you're here telling us this great story. <laughs> well. So back to this recording, though. So those guys, you, you hear them talking back and forth, and they start interacting with, with, these, you know, with these supposed creatures. They seem really calm about the whole thing, right? right. If, if I knew I was interacting with actual Bigfoots, Sasquatch, we are making history. We're fucking making history. <laughs> it's real, you know? It would be like if, if I ever walk into a room at a haunted house and actually see with my own eyes a full-on ghost and get video of it i'd be like holy shit you know yeah that's true i i can only speculate that these guys with their scientific background and and hearing this um maybe that kept them calm i i don't know i mean like you just said Anybody probably who would encounter such a creature would probably freak out and be terrified. I mean, 
Uh, once again, the audio dropped off there for a second, but uh, let me fill you in on the people who actually made the recording. Uh, it was journalist Al Berry and an outdoorsman named Ron Moorhead. And they were actually out there looking for the Bigfoot. They, they weren't hunters, so I was wrong in my first, when I first read it on an account on one of the online journals I was looking at. I, I thought they were hunters, but they weren't. I see. Hunters. Well, the the reason this, this guy got involved, the, the, the linguist got involved is he was, had, he had nothing to do with big uh, Sasquatch studies or anything. Apparently these hunters captured these recordings and they, they broadcast them. They put them on the internet. And so this guy's son was researching Sasquatch for a, a school project. And so his father started helping him. And that's when he heard this and and that's when he went, wow, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. And he was like, he started taking it seriously for the first time ever. Mm. So now he's interested in finding out, from what I understand, um, what these creatures or who these people are. He wants to know what made this recording. You know what I mean? Right. What made these noises? So I tell you what, I'm, I'm going to going to splice in here another section so the listeners can hear more of it. crazy right it's scary to hear i like i said i don't know if i was in the hunter's position i don't i don't think i would be as lucid as they were i know uh, well then again they're in a hiding position so the, apparently the story was they knew where these creatures were and every time they tried to approach them they would just run away so they decided to just stay away so they never actually saw what was making these noises hmm that's where and I go, so, hmm, you know? I'm yeah, gonna... everybody's leaping to the conclusion that they were Sasquatch. But they could have been, I don't know. It almost sounds like two different things making those sounds, too. Yeah. Because one is like a kind of high-pitched, 
howling apish kind of thing, and the other one sounds more like a, a person almost. You know, with the, with the lower voice making the more vocal enunciations that sound like a language and and is the one that that is like answering them back where where they're trying to mimic the the voice and they're calling back and forth to each other Hmm. maybe i i guess that could be it but still to me it's just like what what were these hunters doing did they say what they were recording on was it a phone you know what i I'd have to go back and look. Oh, I'll put that in an aside. Okay. It's an interesting thing to think about. Okay. So what I read about this is it was just um, an old recorder. Um, and this was a while ago. There were no cell phones, cell phone recorders, no smartphones. It was a probably a cassette recorder that they used with a microphone purportedly taped to a tree branch. But other than that... I didn't really intend for this to be another Bigfoot episode. <laughs> That's okay. Bigfoot's always going to be there in the back of our minds. What else is new in the world of of uh, Jerry, the world of cryptozoology, and the world of anything, really? Because we're living crazy times right now, so it kind of feels like anything could be acceptably real at this point, because everything wow. is real. Uh, so, so the weather itself is being strange. I'll, I'll tell you that. Because, mm-hmm. um, okay, now, here, here's a thought. So we're definitely experiencing some sort of climate change. And, of course, there's still a debate. I'm putting that in air quotes uh, <laughs> about what's causing it or how or, or if it's natural cycles or not. But still, we're, we're definitely experiencing a climate changing. And so that's going to affect populations of wildlife and their habitat, even beyond what we're doing with deforestation and everything. Right. So, I mean, obviously, it's like we're, polar bears are running away. Polar speaking, ice is disappearing. Speaking of polar bears, did you hear that story about all those polar bears kind of almost invading that uh, town in Siberia, in Russia? No. Oh, man. No, I haven't heard that. There's like 30 but I'm some, not surprised. Yeah, 30 some polar bears are rummaging for food in this town, and all the locals are freaking out because clearly there's polar bears, and they, you know, rip your head off when they want to pat you on the head. So it just it seems terrifying. I, I, you know, read an article about this. There's a YouTube video. You can go check it out. Um, but they're rummaging through this. I don't know if there's a garbage dump nearby the town. But there's just no food for them. So, of course, they have to go in and look for where they know there is going to be food. <laughs> McDonald's. McDonald's. One of the Big Mac. Yeah. Uh, it reminds nope. me of a, well, you know, I've, I've been taking pictures of a, the bald eagles are back in town, right? Of course. It's the time of the year. But, yeah. But uh, apparently up in Alaska somewhere, and I think in Canada, there's so many of them that they hang around dumpsters behind restaurants and scavenge food and you'll see pictures and videos of like 12 of them sitting around on a dumpster wow. looking at you like pigeons like giant dangerous pigeons so but gosh what you know what polar bears, polar bears. that's just one animal it's you know one thing i mean 
I posted a link to our, our uh, Facebook page about the insects, you know, the bee population um, just dying out, you know, I mean, and if, if you know anything about this, you know that it has detrimental effects to yeah. everything, <laughs> really. But here's, I mean, yeah, it's bad, but um, I, I was listening to a science program about bees and the natural bees and they're like you know yeah they're they're not taking into account that the majority of the pollination is not done by these european honeybees that we imported over here and those are the ones dying out Mm -hmm. They're, they're done by the native bees and here's what we need to do to help the native bees flourish because they're not having any problems other than the fact that we're destroying their habitats. And so there's these things that you can put out that allow the bees to come in and make their little nests and everything. And they don't make a big hive nest. They're just like little solitary things. And there's like hundreds of different types of bees and they're all Mm -hmm. native to the area. And so it's really important for us to, establish um, native plants in areas, reestablish to give habitat to these native species because they're the ones that are actually doing the pollinating. I mean, a lot of the pollinating. Hmm. So this, this, the bee crisis is a bee crisis for Europe, the imported European honeybees. Well, I think if, if you if you can find a picture or a link to what you're describing in terms of what you can hang up in your yard. Um, well, I'll, I'll do even better. There's a podcast called Ologies uh, with Allie Ward, and their their whole she did a whole episode on it with an entomologist, and I will link that in the show notes up on our um, on both Facebook. And on Anchor F- or Anchor FM page. Uh, all right. Well, have you heard anything about this this plankton deal going on too? Maybe I'm just being an alarmist right now, but um, you know the insects, oh, the polar bears, and the plankton. Well, there's definitely a lot of things to be alarmed about. Yeah, it has nothing to do with any anybody being mean to someone else on YouTube or anything like that. Well, the, the thing about the plankton, though, is they, they help produce oxygen in, in some oh, fashion, yeah. right? Uh-huh. And yeah. um, researchers are saying how Earth's oxygen could collapse with ocean warming of six degrees. Oh, Jesus. And so <laughs> that's terrifying in itself. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think, and I, I read somewhere that it's not really going to contribute to the mass extinction of man because no matter what, people are always thinking about themselves. So when you hear this, oh my God, plankton are dying, oxygen's going away, you're automatically thinking, shit, am I okay? So um, no, I, I don't think it's going to contribute to harmful for us so much in terms of, of our lives. Um, but it is interesting to think about all these different changes and, and scary stuff going on. Yeah. Well, I, w- I wonder how much uh, oxygen kudzu produces because that stuff's not dying. No, I don't know. <laughs> we're trying to kill that stuff. <laughs> sure, that's a, that's a good question. You yep. know what I was also thinking about, though? 
yeah. uh, away from things dying and us dying. Um, do you have you heard of the you know the polar magnetic polar caps and how every so many years they they reverse? Yeah, I mean, I've heard I've heard about that. I'm not so sure they really know or understand how and when that happens, though. Right. I was. I, was I, I thought it was like I thought it happens really slowly over millennia. Um, I think I think it's in some way you're right. It's slowly, but then there's like this this re- reversal where they don't know what's supposed to happen. Like they don't have any recorded information about it, and so that's what's so alarming to the scientists and whatnot. Um, like they don't well, know if so it's going to mess with. We're, we're do so. <laughs> I, I guess this is going to be like, uh, is doomsday acceptably real? <laughs> episode? <laughs> uh, because I think, I think you know, it has to some, be. There, there are so many things going wrong. And what gets me is, you know, you got into media, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody's so upset about all this stuff. Like Justin Bieber spit on people. Oh God, let's ban it. Blah, you know, well, that's an old, that's an old example, but I mean, it's just stuff like that that gets everybody's knickers in a twist. The Starbucks is, you know, they're, they changed the color of the cups. So oh, let's boycott. St- There's so many things that are really worth getting upset about and worrying about. And we're not paying attention to that stuff enough. You know right. what I mean? Everybody's yeah. attention and energy is all focused on these meaningless things that have no, have no real effect on anything. Their job is also to distract people too. You know, it's not, they want to distract people because they, I'm not going to go all like crazy conspiracy tangent on everything, but I think that everything in the media is kind of connected in some form or fashion. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, our, our news channels are owned by these huge conglomerate, uh, other big co- news corporations. Uh, yeah. and of course who owns them. Right. I mean, I know this kind of sounds really uh, left field, but if you think about it, I mean, these news, yeah, they, they want us to know about these things happening. These, these things that are harmful to our lives and end of the world kind of things. But they also want us to know about people who are getting spit on by Justin Bieber because that leads <laughs> to more Justin Bieber sales. You know, that's just the, it's just yeah. how we are. So. Yeah. I don't want to start like moving into a, my, my brain starts moving into political discussions and I, this is not the forum for that. Although I think you and I agree on most of the stuff. Here, here's a good question: Do you think society could actually fall at this point, or are we become too technologically sophisticated for it to fall too far? I kind of go back and forth on that. I think, I think that we've actually gotten so technologically advanced that even if we do have a major breakdown in society. We're not going to fall that far down. We're not going to go back to bows and arrows and sticks and clubs and, you know, building big stone castles. It's right. probably going to be, we'll probably fall back into a, some sort of, I think, a fascist realm where we have someone with absolute power 
and but it's it's not going to stop there from being hospitals and motor cars and sure. internet and although although the internet may not be a free thing anymore <laughs> you know what i mean it might be a yeah. very closed off and privileged thing well man there's there's so many scenarios which what you're talking about i mean it, you know in terms of how that could happen um but something else i get about and this brings us back to the weather topic a little bit is when you have a big snowstorm it's it's snowing where you are right now Oh, yeah. We have a big snowstorm um, here. Um, there seems to be quite a few, a lot of power outages, right? Yeah. And it's scary to think about how much you rely on power and how much you rely on, on that and the infrastructure of your locality to, to, to sustain you, right? Oh, yeah. um, your furnaces can go out. That's your heat. Um, unless it's gas, but those barely well, are around well, anymore you, so well we've got gas but i mean it needs electricity to turn fans to <laughs> pump it around the house you know mm-hmm. well and and building on that uh it really would only take one massive solar flare to overload our entire grid and shut everything down and then you do have a major problem right. and that will take a lot of rebuilding Right. I think that's like the most plausible, scary disaster well, that's actually looming. Is why don't you go ahead like... and and maybe elaborate on what a solar flare would do? Because maybe our listeners haven't heard of a solar flare before. Um, well, um, solar flares happen all the time, and it's it's a it's a jet of energy, and if it if one actually hit the Earth which it has done in the past, although not in the recent past. Um, I mean, even a minor one will overload our electrical grid just by induction. It's like this huge surge of energy will just go through all the wires on, around all the world and burn out everything. And then our whole electrical grid collapses and then we got to rebuild it all. Right. Except in like... Take- in, in isolated places. So you, here, the, the, my, my inner engineering training has already jumped in and said, well, here's how we can solve this. <laughs> we, we really should have independent energy production per house. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if everybody had a little energy plant at their house and they produce their own electricity and we didn't have to rely on one big central thing that would alleviate a lot of this. And, you know, all it takes is a bunch of solar panels on your roof mm-hmm. and, and some good and batteries. Those, would be, be, and if, those wouldn't be affected by some type of solar flare. No, no. That's what you're saying. See, well, the solar, the, the energy grid would be affected because it's a huge bunch of cables, you know, and that's the way, you know, magnetic, engines work and that's you would get an induction effect on all these millions of miles of cables stretching everywhere they would pick up that energy like an antenna whereas if you just have a little thing on the house it would it's it's just your little local house it might pick up a little spike like a lightning strike but you could handle that 
with cert suppressors. You've seen these Tesla, like these power walls. Right? Yeah. That yeah. you hook up in your house. And I, I think that's kind of something, kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I don't know how powerful solar technology has became um, in the last 10 years or so, but I'm not sure if it's even powerful enough to, to power a whole house by itself. Oh, yeah, it is. Um, but it is. I mean, you, you can have enough power on a roof to power the house. You, you probably, you're going to use a bunch of low energy stuff. Yeah. Um, and then in the winter, in a cold climate, you'll have to use something else to supplement it like gas. But then you're not, the gas, a gas pipe isn't going to be affected by a solar flare. Um, but, you know, Elon Musk is thinking about these things, right? Oh, I, sure. And I actually watched something recently. Um, they were talking about China and all the smog in the cities. Yeah. And what it would take to help power, power a small-filled city with solar. And it, the, the answer that Elon gave was, okay, well, you, you find a hill or some kind of mountain away from the city that's unobstructed by any smog. Um, maybe even high above the clouds or whatever, and you put the solar panels up there, then you cable everything to run toward the city. Yeah. And so maybe there's something, you know, in, I don't know, this, this conversation is going crazy, but um, <laughs> this could go so many different ways. In my head right now, I'm thinking about super high towers um, in the neighborhoods of solar panels, you know, that go above the clouds, and that's just some sci-fi crap right there. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's an infinite possibilities. You just need those those types of people like Elon Musk and, you know, people with engineering backgrounds to just think of it and do it and make it practical. You know, e Elon Musk is a very smart person, but you know what his main power is? He does things. <laughs> yeah. He says, you know, he, he builds on ideas that have been around for a long time where a bunch of, you know, scientists are going to say, you know, we can do this, we can do that, we can do this. And he's like, okay, I got a bunch of money. Let's actually do it. And that's great. I mean, you need people like that. That's the kind of people we had hundreds years ago. I mean, people who are dying off now. I mean, the the big inventors, you know, who um, one of the big battery vendors who uh, pioneered batteries. He's like ninety five, um, and he's still pioneering different ways to to power things. And maybe I'll look him up after we're done recording and send you a link. But um, I just it worries me that we're like raising all generation of people who aren't interested in inventing things who aren't not, not necessarily inventing things, but who want to be the Elon Musk of who want to do it, you know, mm -hmm. the doers of society. So I think we, I, I actually think we do have a lot of doers and I, they're, they're just, they're just not very vocal. <laughs> yeah. No, the people who are vocal are all outraged because Justin Bieber spat on someone. <laughs> <laughs> I do think society is going to fall at some point. This, it's not sustainable. Uh, our reliance on, what are you doing? It sounds like you're rummaging through a refrigerator. No, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Nikki, Nikki's down here. She's in the fridge. Oh, Okay. Well, I, I did actually identify a refrigerator. Sense. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, tell Nikki hi for me. Jerry says hey. Tell her hi. She says hey. <laughs>
Hey, hey, Joe, I've, I've noticed that you've been putting some really cool stuff out on our Facebook page. And one of them is something about toxic black snow covering streets in Siberia. Pretty interesting stuff. Um, there's this, there's this town in Siberia and, and the town is actually, it's by a coal mine. Um, oh. yeah, now you're getting it. So for those who don't know, um, check out our Facebook page, take a second, go on it, go on YouTube. You're going to see this video of this snow. It's black snow. It's really cool looking. Um, and you're probably going to be like, what the hell's going on here? It's black snow. Um, but it's, you know, once you understand that it's next to a coal mine, you kind of, you kind of maybe get a sense of maybe an idea of why it's black. So Jeez. pretty interesting. God, black snow. Well, tell you what, let's take a break. We'll go okay. to a message from our sponsor, which is probably going to be read by me. <laughs> and then we'll be right back. Sounds good. Hey, Jerry here. As some of you may have guessed, part of my day job involves setting up and maintaining websites. Recently, I had a project where I needed to convert an older website to WordPress, and part of the challenge was choosing the perfect website hosting service. I did a lot of research, and I finally chose DreamHost. Not only is DreamHost widely recognized, but they're the number one recommended hosting service by WordPress themselves. And WordPress has their own web hosting service but they still wholeheartedly endorse DreamHost. Well, since then, I discovered I like DreamHost so much that I moved all my personal websites to DreamHost, including the blog for this podcast. And it is my great pleasure to have DreamHost be an affiliate sponsor to this show, and we can offer you, our listeners, $50 off if you sign up using our link. Now, we chose them, they didn't choose us. We wanted them specifically as a sponsor. So if you are wanting to set up a website or a blog, and especially if you want to use WordPress, the easiest and most trusted content management system out there, just go to acceptablyreal.com slash dreamhost and sign up. Once again, if you use our link, you'll end up with $50 off and you'll be helping our show. Remember that link, acceptablyreal.com slash dreamhost and get your website up and running today. Well, we're back from the break, and I'm still looking at the Facebook page, and you posted something about killer smog in Denora, Pennsylvania, 1948. Oh. I I don't know, man. I just I see this crap, and I love it, and you read it, and you find out all about it. You go down this rabbit hole, and then you find a YouTube video that sums it up perfectly. So that's what I posted on the, on our page was this uh, YouTube video of this, this smog incident. Um, I, I think it's pronounced in... Denor? Denor. It killed 20 people within 12 hours. Or in, in 70 within a month? Yeah. And this was like the basis for that um, that movie, The Happening. Oh, definitely could be. <laughs> I mean, it, it was uh, yeah, 20 people caused respiratory for over 6,000 people. And that's crazy. That's a crazy amount of people, considering that the population of Denor at the time was about 14, 15,000 people. Um, so that's, that's nearly like 40% of your, your population of the town is having these, these chest respiratory problems because of the oh, smog. It came from U.S. Steel's Zinc Works and its American Steel and Wire Plant. It was hydrogen fluoride, 
sulfur dioxide, nitrogen dioxide, sulfuric acid, fluorine, and other poisonous gases. Sounds like being downwind from a, a toxic volcano vent. Well, you know, the interesting thing about this, though, is that it really wouldn't have been this bad without this other little component. And that other little component was something called temperature inversion. Inversion, yeah. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, um, it's, it's where warmer, warmer air aloft traps pollution and a layer of colder air near the surface. Yes, yeah. I just read that up from, a, from a screen. But, um, I mean, that in, in some way mixes with the fog to form this yellowish smog right and but, that's what hung over denora and in it it's like putting a lid on it and trapping it down kind of like in that stephen king novel the dome it's <laughs> oh, a good reference um i used to be this this is kind of a, a light tangent but i used to work in la uh, for a long time up in san dimas california the home of bill and ted and um, the smog from L.A. would back up into the mountains right by San Dimas, but not make it over the mountain because of a temperature inversion. And so the smog would sit there and get thicker and thicker and thicker. And my lungs weren't used to that, of course. And I got this, what I thought was pneumonia, and it's, it's a smog-related sickness. So... For those who, who haven't lived in, in California where there's a bunch of smog or Denora in 1970 or what was it, 1940-something? Um, 1948. For those who, yeah, who don't know, what, what just common effects would you experience? Is it just like gross-smelling air? Is it, you know, hard to breathe? Well, in, in L.A., it was just... It, your your lungs start filling up with gunk because you're you're breathing this stuff in and your your body's going oh my god I got to capture this stuff and try to get it out but it overwhelms the body and so your lungs start filling up with with basically mucus which is trying to capture this stuff and your body's trying you know because that's what the mucus is for is to capture crap and get it out of your body out of your lungs and um and oddly enough and i think i told you this this story this i was in a liquor store and this the liquor store guy he he heard me coughing and we started talking about it and that's he handed me um um pint bottle of jägermeister did i tell you about this no please okay and so he, so he hands it, he gives it to me. He says, drink this, it will cure that, right? And it did. And I don't want to grow, go into the gross details about it, but it really did. Because it, I, there's something about the herbs and stuff that's in the Jägermeister. Because Jägermeister is one of those drinks, kind of like absinthe, that started out as an old-timey medicine. It didn't start out as an alcoholic beverage for, you know, uh, recreation. It was here's you know a, a medicine cart would go by, and a and a and a snake oil salesman would sell it to you as a cure all. Uh, but it actually does have some benefits, and um, 
it caused my lungs to get rid of all this stuff in a, in a very um, quick way. <laughs> and I won't go into the details, oh. but it did. By the next day, I was fine. I was a little hungover, but I was fine. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Just another nice side benefit of Jägermeister. Yeah. So Jägermeister as a medicine is acceptably real. Cool. I'll bring that around. <laughs> I'll say what else we got on our Facebook page that was interesting. Um, uh, former manager of the Department of Defense Aerospace Threat Program, UFOs are real. Is UFOs, that, um, yep. Is that um, a continuation of that fighter pilot footage that we were talking about in an earlier episode? I think this is a little different. I don't think it's the same article. Um, I, I think it's just a, you know, different situation, uh, different Department of Defense um, head. I think he's a director who who just claimed that UFOs are real, and he just out outed with it. You know what's interesting about that, and and um, and, and and people who speak up like that is that in Canada there have been several government officials who who after their time in office have came out and just spat out that UFOs are exist. And so that's what I found interesting is that this is just an example of, of that, of a scenario where there's a, a credible source, like a former government official who comes out and spits out like, oh, crap, I can even tell people this, you know, UFOs are real. Like it just kind of blows my mind a little bit. That's all. Well, I mean, I, I, I think I've told you before that I've had, three acquaintances, two, two former bosses and, um, one neighbor who in over the years were all involved in different branches of uh, military intelligence. And every, all three of them would tell me, oh yeah, UFOs are real, but I can't tell you why I know this. And then that's all they would say. And so Part of me thinks, well, they're probably told to tell people that so that we think that there's UFOs instead of us thinking that it's test <laughs> test aircraft or something. Yeah. Or there is really is a conspiracy. But it says here in this um, thing that they are, uh, he states that we are also planning to provide never before released footage from real U.S. government systems, not blurry amateur photos, but real data and real videos. Uh, and we are inviting our gov government colleagues and friends in defense to participate regularly in with their own findings. Do you do you, real real quick here? Do you think that there should be a difference between a UFO and what's known as some alien spacecraft? I know it's kind of hokey to say alien spacecraft, but I mean, UFO is obviously unidentified flying object. And there, there could be a, a number of UFOs. It could be a drone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. I've always, that's something I've always thought about. But what, what else do you call it beyond alien spacecraft or a spacecraft not of this earth? You know what I mean? Yeah, but what? Well, here's the thing. I mean, there's, so there's a thing in the sky, and it's unidentified, and it's actually flying. Why do we automatically jump to the conclusion that it's a that's um, a spacecraft from another planet? 
that, I mean, that's a huge leap. Right. <laughs> you know, we don't know what it is. And that's all we really should be saying. Hey, there's something flying and we don't know what it is. And look, it goes really fast. And oh, yeah, look, it does go into space. But we don't know where it's from. And that's it. We don't know where it's from. But to automatically say, mm, little green men, blah, 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 that's, yeah. you're, you're, you're jumping too far. I mean, as far as we know, it could be time machines from our own future. I think that's even more plausible. Absolutely. Personally, you know. It just makes you think, though, that like if you picture a young couple driving down a highway in the 1950s, you know, in a, in a nice, cool convertible, and all of a sudden they see some crazy spacecraft in the sky, they don't know what it is. Um, and then it turns out to be some T-bird or some, some stealth fighter, you know, that just hasn't been released yet. Of course, you're, you've never seen anything like that before. So you're going to jump to the conclusion that it's just something otherworldly because it's so different than what you're used to seeing. Yeah. And you would think that if it's a secret aircraft, the government's going to want to misdirect you into thinking that it's something other than their secret aircraft. Right. right? And, and for them... <laughs> It would be harmless for you to think it's a UFO for, or, a, or, or a, a space alien craft because that's not going to affect them whatsoever, and it keeps their program secret. So there's there's the uh, but I do, and, and I will state that I do believe that there are in fact alien creatures that live off Earth somewhere, and I do think that if it is possible to travel star distances, that it is very likely that at some point in our history of this planet, we have been visited by them if they could actually get here. And they probably studied us like we would study bugs on Mars if we found them. Right. No, that's and a good point. That's, that's, I think it's, it's entirely within the realm of possibility. So I'm not going to discount anything. I mean, there, as far as I know, there are, are flying saucers watching us? Um, and I would love to see one. <laughs> I would love to see one. You but bring up a like good, I would go ahead. Good point, though. Um, you said you know they would probably study us as we would study bugs on Mars. You know, I think it's it's very common to think about um, aliens and other beings as humanoids, right? Um, yeah. And I don't want to go too off topic here, but. But instead of, you know, looking for alien life that are humanoids that are like us, that are walking, talking, or even anywhere remotely near the same kind of being that we are, um, aliens are probably like bugs on Mars. It's pretty interesting to think about. Well, also, I mean, if they're an advanced species, they're probably, and who is it? There was a scientist who just said this. Um, a very popular scientist. He's a, an Asian fellow. I can't remember his name. But he said, more likely than not, they're not going to be all biological. They're going to be very augmented with their own technology. Because he thinks that it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I mean, it, the more advanced you get as a technological race and the more sophisticated you get with your technology, the more you're going to tend to merge with it. I, we're already doing that. I mean, it's, it's rudimentary, but we can't live without these damn smartphones anymore because 
they're part of our brain now. <laughs> they're an externalized part of our brain, and we're connected to all knowledge, all knowledge. Once so, in a, in a way, we're already nodes in a in in a super brain. Right. We're we're already assimilated. We didn't even realize it. It's made us so much dumber, though. I feel, and I mean, maybe that's just my generation. And feel free. And I think maybe it's different for you because you're older than I am, and you know, you've you've had much more time without smartphones or the internet, <laughs> right? Um, and, and you know, that... my computer keyboard, <laughs> young whippersnappers. <laughs> but no, I'm serious. I, I feel like you know you you have these other ways to to, to resource, whereas um, younger folks. Like myself, I'm only uh, 19 years of age, <laughs> um, where where I'm so used to being around the internet. You know, when I was when I was maybe 10, 11, I mean, I had dial-up internet, uh, but even then, like there, the internet was was just filling up with knowledge. You could grab whatever you wanted, really. I mean, not like today where we have these smartphones, and you just say that we're like nodes now in this this mass. Uh, wired brain um yeah, we've only had it for 10 years it's amazing because it, it seems like we've had it forever now but it's so interwoven in our society now and exactly it makes it seem like it's been forever doesn't it i know i mean i hi when i was young <laughs> i had dial up and we didn't have the internet we had fidonet <laughs> literally we had fidonet do, do you do you do you, you guys, know what you guys had, was? You guys had bulletin board technology back then. Yeah, um, and 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 they would call each other at night when the the phone rates were low and transfer information. So you could actually send an email from here to New York, but it would take as long to get there as it would if you put an envelope <laughs> in the mail. You kids had Man. to it had to go from one node to another node to another node to another node. You know, and they it didn't do it all at once. It had to make these jumps over days. But, yeah. uh, and it was all mainly for porn, you know. <laughs> so it's always porn. That's oh, what the internet's for. Oh, man. All right. Okay, we've gone from killer smog to... To porn. To, U, to, to UFOs, to porn, to... And bring it right around to Tinder for cows. Tutter. <laughs> Tutter. <laughs> so this it's is an a app, real thing. Yeah, this is an app that was released uh, where where um, prospecting cattlemen farmers um, would look at you know a cow that they would want to match with that they'd want to purchase, and it just so happens to be um, more kind of a parody of, of Tinder in such a way. Um, I just think it's hilarious. It's perfect though. I mean, like, you know, you'd, you'd scroll through and, Oh, that would be a perfect stud for Daisy, the cow. <laughs> and we, they would have beautiful calves together. Right. It is. Yeah. It let's helps. hook them up. It, exactly. It helps farmers match up partners for their own stock. It's not, it's not them going to buy, the stock. It's it's them going to match up a dude, right? If you will. <laughs> um, I'm watching the uh, the video silently on the side, and it's got this this cow sticking its tongue way out, very suggestively. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
And it, the, ladies and gentlemen, this is a real app. It's called Tutter. Mix of dating app Tinder and Utter. <laughs> go, go look it up. Match your cows. Now, I wonder if you could mate. Um, you could mate your uh, your cows to a buffalo. And you could have a beefalo. Um, I, saw, I don't know I saw, why it works that way. Does it? I, I don't know. I saw some beefalo um, sausages at um, Jewel Osco this evening. Twelve dollars huh. a box. I wasn't going to buy them. Supposedly, uh, supposedly beefalo is really good. Uh, I've had buffalo meat, buffalo burger, bison burgers, I, bison. Yeah, I've had bison. Um, oh, yummy! Australian farmer shares photo of possible Tasmanian tiger near Jerry, Clifton Springs, Victoria. Can you tell the audience why that's interesting? What is because it about the Tasmanian tiger that is interesting? Everybody thinks the Tasmanian tiger has been extinct for how many years? Let me let me click in here. So I, this is a big deal. This is like this is almost as big a deal as finding a a jackalope. Right. <laughs> Oh gosh, that is really, really compelling. Yeah, the pictures. Nineteen thirty-six was the last known thylacine um, held yeah. its status as an endangered species until the nineteen eighties, um, and so it's really, really not to as an endangered species. But it, so it really hasn't been that long. But it's definitely possible for for one to be in the wild for this long and yeah. or a few i mean well, well, australia's a big place absolutely um for those of you who have never seen a picture of a thylacine it looks like oh god it looks like the head of a coyote and the front part of a dog and the tail end of a Raccoon? No, not a raccoon. Say zebra, more so the. No. See, well, it's it's the striped. Butt. Yeah, and then it's got a, like a big long rat tail. It's a weird looking creature. Hmm. And but, so the picture that the they're showing the farmer took, man, it does look like one. It really does. So that's but, good news. Yeah. Hopefully, that hopefully it's this. Hope there's a. There's some breeding pairs. Artificial intelligence study of human genome finds unknown human ancestor. I found this article, that was, and I figured you would find it interesting, especially because I know how much you love AI um, and and super, you know, super computers. So uh, I, I think it's interesting because they're finding information that we can't see with our own eyes. So... Well, it's it's not too far removed from the fact that you can get that the twenty three and me, and then find out that you're related to you know some guy in Texas or some lady in Japan, you know, yeah. and, and actually name them. Hmm. You know, Smithsonian wants to take over my browser. No, <laughs> talking about AI. Well. Um, I would say that's it for acceptably real news. <laughs> you got anything else, or should we should we round I, this up? Let's let's round it up. We're at fifty seven, I think, minutes of 
of this one. We don't want to run too long. Well, here's one more if you want to do one more. Sure. Because um, the other one I was going to mention is like it happens tomorrow, so there's no point in even talking about it. Experimental anti-aging treatment that kills old cells has passed first human trial. So, who... You know, that's a whole episode. Do you, yeah. Would you want to live forever? That's a whole episode right there. Right. And I think maybe we should keep that for the next one because there's, there's a lot that I, that I do know about this topic. Um, and I, maybe before we, we do talk about it, um, definitely check out the TED Talk of Aubrey de Grey. Yeah. Uh, he has a TED Talk on it. Basically, there's a, real quick to sum it up, there's seven components um, and aging is, is definitely something that they can see eliminating because um, there's seven components in the body that, that are the reasons why you age. And they're all manageable. And they're, that's what they're looking into at SENS. So. Well, um, Mel Gibson appeared on Joe Rogan's podcast with a doctor. And that doctor is performing a procedure in uh, Panama, because it's not legal here, but it is in Panama. And what they do is they take your T-cells and they mix them or they put them with the T-cells from a, an umbilical cord, a human hmm. umbilical cord. And your T-cells somehow pick up something from them. So they're not going to use the umbilical cord T-cells on you because they... Because it, it it will want to like grow babies in you, and you start getting tumors. But oh. but it it like it trains your own T cells to do something different, and then they take the, your T cells and they 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 grow them, and they they multiply them outside your body, and they inject them back into you. And so they did this for Mel Gibson's dad, who was on death's door. And the guy reversed in age something like, they didn't say number, but the way they, they talked about it, he's like 90 something, I, I think. I should fact check that. But it, it's like he regret, he got 30 years back in his life. Wow. And, and his hair grew back and he was up and around and he was with women again and it was like he, he took a, a glass from the fountain of youth and drank it. Wow. And that was just by doing that one thing. Can you imagine you combine that with all these other things they're working on? I, I can't. Uh, but, but I wanted to ask you, what is your ideal age that you would want to, I don't know what the term would be, re, we'll say retire at. Um, biological age? Biological or, age. Um, 24 24 so you would you'd want to go back down to that age um, yeah. how many years though would you want to live to i think 125 130 might be for me so if i could say that young for that many years that would be ideal for me it would really depend on the environment the the standards of living, uh, my motivations for continuing going, am I working on something to benefit humanity? 
or am I just living 125 years to eat potato chips and drink beer? You know, uh, if I had a purpose, I would go as long as I could go. Right. If I had a purpose that kept me driving forward, say this is an important thing to keep living for, that would keep me going. But if I'm just playing video games and masturbating, then I'm I'm wasting I'm wasting in uh, space and resources. And, and we're already overpopulated. And so where else are we, you know, they've, you know, everybody keeps on saying, oh, let's colonize Mars. Well, you know, Mars sucks. <laughs> Mars is, it's poisonous. It's radioactive. It's. <laughs> this, this is starting now, to sound like a TV kind of show concept. <laughs> like, right. You, you, you get a bunch of people who don't want to die. You send them to. Uh, on a spaceship toward that one, you know, light years away, you freeze them and re, re, uh, animate them when they're at their destination. And then you're spreading the human life across the universe. I mean, that's, that's what you'd probably get into with that kind of thing. And then you'd also probably get into things like, Oh, are the rich going to be the only ones who could afford to live longer? Is this going to be available for everyone? You know? Yeah. And also, are you going to edit your your own genome to be more perfect and have better, you know, attributes and be smarter? And who who gets that? Right. That's that's like what that Chinese scientist did in uh, in China and with CRISPR, that genome editing uh, tool. You know, he he claimed to edit the genes of these these young babies uh, prior to them being born, obviously. So that they wouldn't get, I think it was AIDS or some diseases like that. I don't doubt he did it. Yeah. So apparently, CRISPR is like so simple that we could have junior CRISPR science kits in every high school. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's that's acceptably real. Maybe we should just end with that. <laughs> yeah. And um, tell you what, uh, dear listeners, uh, if you come back next time, we're going to talk about whether or not we want to live forever. And you can send us messages and your own opinions on this. If you use the Anchor FM app, you just go to it. You say, send us a message. We get the message. We could hear it. We could even use it on the show if you so want or if it is deemed appropriate. So... We'd, and also, if you have topics that you would like us to cover, send us uh, send us that um, send us your suggestions. What do you think, Joe? Sounds like a plan to me. All right. Well, until next time, this is Jerry and Joe signing off. Good night. Good night. No, that sounded creepy. Well, good night. Good know. night. Sleep. Time. It sounded a lot better when I said it, and then you said it, and then it just came to be this cultist type of good night, good night, good night. <laughs> Let's just start singing. <laughs> <laughs>
listeners, thank you for joining us here on this episode of Acceptably Real Podcast. If you're listening to this on Anchor FM, there's a way to send messages back to us through that amazing app of theirs. So if you've got some comments, questions, or even better, suggestions for future topics, send them our way. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you've enjoyed listening, please consider giving us a positive review on the podcast platform of your choice. It helps us out a lot, and we really appreciate it. It also encourages us to keep going. So until next time, this is Jerry signing off.